everybody and welcome to words images and worlds i am so excited on this edition to be joined by jana dropper friend uh acquaintance person who i've encountered many times in different spaces um the reading with pictures conference is that right did i get that right yes as Jason well was as... enough to be a panelist for us and it was a wonderful event thank you so much for that Absolutely. I remember seeing your name jumping in and like helping me figure out things on Zoom. So that's always a wonderful thing, wonderful uh, help and support. And we've connected on social media and in different spaces. And so I thought I would start and just talk about one of our connections, which is comics advocacy. I, I know you as a person who is very much about sharing about the medium. So what what kind of drew you in that direction? So it's, I love that you said medium because on my gravestone, it'll read comics are a medium, not a genre. No mm -hmm, Bible mm -hmm. verses, no dates, maybe not my name. It's just going to say comics are a medium, not a genre. It is just another path to tell a story. I work with students that have pretty significant academic needs. I'm a speech and language pathologist at the elementary level. And the gatekeeping that the decoding part of reading does to more information is tragic because if you can't sound out the word you can't get to that background information those experiences that you haven't had that you can you know when books are windows rather than mirrors and the fact that that decoding piece and you know with technology obviously we're having you know an audiobooks and that kind of thing there's additional accessibility options but we communicate information with pictures and text together all the time and don't think anything of it. Think about putting together an Ikea bookshelf. That's technically a comic if you're looking at sequential art conveying, you know, mm -hmm. a narrative. Think about when you learned about the life cycle or, or the water cycle. Think about when you uh, read the emergency manual on an airplane. It tells you with sequential art what to do. But for whatever reason, as soon as we put dog man on it, all of a sudden, it's not a viable way to tell a story. Um, and that's not fair. So for my students for whom decoding is hard and it is just physically immensely exhausting to do, they shouldn't be gatekept from the kind of information that books, which are valuable and that the information is static. They can read it at their own pace. They can take in that visual component at their own pace. And so that way they can still access that information without having to do something hard while they're doing something hard. Yeah, beautifully said, beautifully said. And you're tapping into the reading guy in me right now because I'm also thinking about comprehension. And if you have a reader who is spending all of their time trying to decode where does comprehension come in? Com comics and graphic novels, visual texts of all kinds are great for that. And I mean, there's this phenomenon of readers who get the code, they decode and they sound like they're reading. And then you can ask them a question and they have no idea because I all of their students that <laughs> can zip through it, they can read a chemistry textbook to me. If I ask them what they just read, they got nothing. It's how I kind of weed out some of those splinter skills for students that can perform reading, but if the reading is decoding plus comprehension, they're not in any better shape than the kids that can comprehend if they hear it, but not decode it if we're looking at a pure, you know, academic reading of reading. 
And I was having a conversation on somebody else's podcast yesterday, and they were asking about comprehension and what comics can do. I remember reading comics as a kid and knowing that the meaning was beyond me as far as the words that I was encountering because I was seven or eight. And I still had the pictures. I still had that scaffold. I still had that support. And so the, there's just not enough that can be said about what they can do for students. They're not the only thing. They're not the only mm -hmm. thing to read by any means. But um, they they also should never be discounted. Yeah, they're another medium. There's value in a poem. There's value in just looking at a work of art, um, just a visual art, a graphic representation and then putting it together like any of those pieces if you can get information from somewhere else into the brain of a student so that they can make their personal connections so that they can then work with it or you know when the cause requires it memorize or you know kind of commit those pieces to memory that's successful reading yeah if you want to split hairs on whether it's reading or not or audiobooks or like i don't care if you get a story a narrative from one person's brain to another that's successful that's communication mm -hmm. that's what it's all about mm -hmm. that's what it's all about um the other thing that i love about what i know of your work is that you are a teacher you're uh, in the classroom you're doing things i'm currently teaching high school i've done the academic thing in the ivory tower i've done the middle grades thing I'm currently in high school and so i love actually trying out strategies reading books in the classroom uh, any go-to, well, let me ask you first, do you share your work with your students? I have. So my school and my staff have been incredibly supportive, really teasing me minimally about being a published author. Um, I did demand a parking space. Yes. Uh, didn't did you out. get it? No, I did not. Uh, uh oh, sorry. <laughs> I know. <it's> tough. <laughs> um, but everyone's been really nice and the kids are very starstruck by the concept of an author. So even the fact that they may or may not have read the story, the idea that a person that writes comics exists in the world that they can access hmm. was very exciting for them just to be able to talk about it. So I've, I've done some presentations to some of the classes for my uh, colleagues, just kind of the basics, how a comic is written and what it looks like it goes to that through the editor and the penciling stage and that trying to connect it to when they do writers conferences and drafts like that in their classrooms yeah yeah that, that is so awesome uh i try to bring in stuff that i do but i write academically i've tried to do comics mm -hmm. i just don't i don't know uh, i'm going to have to try a comic script at some point i've tried the art still working on that um but I've gotten it's... pretty far with my students doing um, stick figures. Like yeah. if you can do a couple of facial expressions, eyebrows do a lot, and stick mm -hmm. figures and like really basic stuff, they're they're on board with you. I mean, in terms of being able to communicate a couple step thing, and they're pretty impressed by it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, dire of a wimpy kid, right? That's yeah. a very minimalist style, but it's also mm -hmm. very engaging and carries a lot of meaning. So mm -hmm. um, any other titles or any authors that you just love to bring into the classroom with you? I Yeah. So I have noticed that the kids love the classics. They are still reading Garfield. They're still reading Calvin and Hobbes. They love Phoebe and her magic unicorn. You know, they love, of course, Diary of a Wimpy Kid and Bone and... Um, you know, all the things that are really popular right now, but I was always, um, every year, Peanuts, I'm always super happy when they are, and they know the characters and they get the, 
piece of it. And then I also run a fifth grade comic book club. So with them, I, I do two. Yes, I do uh, two halves of the year. The first half is a visual literacy component. We learn the nuts and bolts. This is a panel. This is a dialogue balloon. Um, these are what gutters are. And basically, here are the rules. And then the second one is, by the way, you can break all those rules. You don't have to have square panels. You don't have to keep your dialogue balloons in the panel. You can do like you don't have to have gutters. You know, and we talk about the um, power of manipulating those different things. I had a student once say uh, they thought Jim Davis had made a mistake in all of his Garfield comics. And I said, go on. And he said, well, that should be a dialogue balloon when Garfield's talking. And it's a thought bubble. I said, okay, what makes you think that that's a mistake? And he kind of thought about it, kind of thought about it. It's like, well, I mean, I, I feel like Garfield would talk. I'm like, well, how could we figure out if that is a mistake or not? And kind of very basic scaffolding is like, well, let, I would see if anybody responded to him as though he was talking with the information he got. Like, and they were able to work through those mechanics of the mm -hmm. comic and that theory of mind and that perspective taking and something like that, where in, if I just had prose in front of me, just having to go back, even with a good decoder, having to go back and manage that in their mind, having to, you know, kind of talk about that ambiguity. And I had never noticed that either, to be honest, I've read Garfield forever. Yeah, that's so true. That is mm -hmm. so true. It's such a great precise detail to pick up. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. I'm imagining trying to pick up a detail in a prose novel with a student and say, okay, let's sell back over this sea of words that yeah. you just traversed. This was on page three. Now we're on page yeah. 10. Can you track that? Um, you know, eventually, eventually, absolutely, mm -hmm. by all means. But uh, yeah, that's that's a lot to to work with and to work around and to be able to precisely point that out in a comic and have that conversation and I it's love just, that he had the confidence to be like, Jim Davis was wrong. And I'm like, oh, yeah. bold, you're 10, go on. <laughs> and um, he made his case for it. He's like, he should have been this, it should have been that. And we worked through it. And, you know, to his credit, he's like, yeah, well, maybe it wasn't. But the idea that he could be like, hey, maybe this thing isn't right. Or maybe this thing isn't as I understood it. Like he went from one mindset to the next without, you know, digging his heels in or calling anyone a Nazi on the internet or whatever it is. People do, when they do these days. <laughs> People do a lot of that. People do a lot of that, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that that step to critique is, is, I mean, that's one of the higher order things that we're after, right? And mm -hmm. there it was, afforded okay. by Garfield. A bit afforded by Garfield. One of the big district initiatives um, this year and the last, I think, last two years has been, um, besides technology, obviously, with remote learning, but it's been higher order questioning. And I've noticed the power of just, why do you think that? Tell me more. Just these very broad things to let them work through in the same way that when I do like creativity challenges with the students, I give them a very broad prompt and say, do your own thing with it. Just giving somebody something to launch off of, but giving them creative flexibility and the knowledge that whatever they try is successful because they're trying something, not because there's an exact answer they have to get through. It's been incredible seeing the creativity coming out of these students. Yeah, yeah. Well, and let's also celebrate your creativity. So you have Animal Rescue Friends that we should talk about. It. That's right. That's Guarded it. by Aquaman back there. Yes, Absolutely. they're good protectors. Mm -hmm. Safe. 
So how did this book come to be? So I had been asked by a friend to co-write a series for Epic. And um, that friend was uh, involved in a lot of other projects. So at that time, while we were working through that co-written series, I was asked to write a single, they have a 10 page issue. Um, they call their like their tales. It goes with um, Animal Rescue Friends. They do it for Cat Ninja, a few of their other Epic originals. And Epic is an online platform, kind of like Netflix for books for kids, an online library. And they have mm -hmm. some videos in that. Um, but they have their own originals, again, just like Netflix. And they asked me to write just a quick 10-page story. Here's a pitch. You say, pitch us. They liked it. Wrote a 10-page story. What I didn't know is that was an audition to write the next season, which was cool because I think I would have just really felt pressured if I knew that that was where that was leading to. Oh, um, yeah. And so I was incredibly lucky that I was able to write the next two seasons. One season's already out uh, on Epic and in book form. I have finished writing the third season, but Very it is cool. not going to hit the platform, I believe, until next year. But Very those cool. dates are always up in the air. But I understand um, they've been releasing individual tales, um, stories like those 10 pagers by a variety of creators. Um, but they, that's my dog, but that, um, typical uh, or the main storyline will pick up again with the next season very very cool so it it is ongoing so yes. more to look forward to yes um, awesome. it's very exciting i was at a, an author event um, a literacy night at a local elementary school earlier this week and you know i write these stories and i send them out to the ether well i send them to an editor there is direction you know when it goes to an artist mm -hmm. and i get to look at drafts and that but then there's like this time between that and when it is available to kids and then being able to see kids. So like, it's really, cause I was a theater kid growing up. So you cannot get more immediate feedback than doing theater. So it's hard to just like create and I'll see you in 16 months. Um, so it's been pretty gratifying to be able to um, do that and uh, be able to see the thing, but also makes me feel connected for longer because you know, it's not out yet. So there's still new stuff as far as everyone's concerned in the hopper, which is fun. Yeah. And I was also going to say, I came across your work before I knew you. Yeah, um, yeah because yeah. I interacted with you at the Reading with Pictures. But a few months before that, I went on this big kick of trying to read a lot of different image books. And one of the ones I came across was Ordinary Gods. And I had no idea that you had contributed to that universe as well. So very different universe. Incredibly different. Films. I get to use yeah. a, a wildly different vocabulary with that audience. Yeah. Um, but is, lots of fun. Yes. And so my, um, again, that same friend that I had uh, was co-writing that first epic book with. Um, he's been, his name is Kyle Higgins. He's been my friend since middle school. So we had been talking about Ordinary Gods since I went back and looked at my email like 2011 is when that had started going and just the timing wasn't right with his different projects and that. Um, so when it came time to write it, he asked me to write these backup stories. And nice. I decided to write a different type of writing for each one. So the first one is just an inner monologue. Um, there's one that's a one-sided conversation. There's one that's a transcript of an interview. There's a poem. There's one that's gone through um, a variety of listings for um dog adoptions because there's a dog character and I kind of wanted to give a glimpse into the past lives not past lives but like the past mm -hmm. uh, owners and situations of this dog so I I challenged myself to have a different 
style of writing or different, uh, not even necessarily style, I mean, a bit style and tone, but like a different form for it, like a different uh, lived in world piece for it. So that was kind of a, it's been a fun exercise. Awesome. Now, I'm going to fact check here something before I say this, um, but I guess I'm already sort of looking it up. Kyle Higgins is also the person on Radiant Black. Is that yes. right? Yes. So I, I need a Janet Tropper Radiant Black story of some kind if Kyle can make that work. That would be fantastic. I'm going to yeah. send him a link to this and be like the people or at least the person is asking. Yeah, and well, you know, if I'm asking for it, then other That's people right. are surely. And I think Eduardo Ferragato is going to be on. Uh, if we can make it work, I think he's going to be on in the next few days. So Very cool. put the bug in his ear, too. I uh, yeah. it's funny because I've known Kyle since I was 12. There's a little bit of revertigo. So like sometimes I annoy him like when I was 12. So <laughs> this would be the perfect way to annoy him by sending him a link to a podcast. Um about how you know we're gonna trap him in a corner so I can write something for Radiant Black. Absolutely, it's the knock, 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 knock. Damn yeah, man. that that was what got me looking at Ordinary Gods because I saw Radiant Black and I thought, well, this looks cool. And you know, I'll go on waves of that uh, mm -hmm. of looking in different spots in the comics universe because there's so much to read. And mm -hmm. I happened upon Ordinary Gods, so it was also uh, thank you again for sending across the script pages. You shared those with mm -hmm. me. Great to see your process. Great to see those pieces come together. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of different templates, and I know there's a movement toward a standardization for comic scripts, but I very much um, write it like a screenplay because um, as a kid, I wrote, I mean, so much like fan fiction and TV show scripts. Like I remember, you know, when I first got my first job, I was just jotting stuff on the back of receipt paper at Target. Like there, I was pathologically unable to stop writing. So, um, working in those forms has been cool. So I, again, because there's no very specific, widely adopted industry standard, it's kind of been in that screenplay format. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, I, I, as a cinema person, I love seeing the screenplay format um, and just really enjoy getting to see kind of your creative process in that way as well. So we have uh, animal rescue friends to look forward to, mm -hmm. hopefully radiant black, anything else that you, <laughs> anything else that you would like to promo? I know you're uh, a big advocate and that you're wrapping up a school year. Um, I am. Yeah. Um, um, so we'll promo that first of all, yes, for sure. every end of a school year is a celebration. It's team um, wake ups, baby. We can do this. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. My students have an AP test next week. So uh, sending the good vibes to them. But um, any other events or work that you'd like to share about? I always like to make sure we make time for that. Thank you. Um, well, another series that is on Epic is called Seeker Society. That's the one that Kyle and I have written together. And that was a blast that is, I took over Animal Rescue Friends as the writer. Someone else. It's someone else's sandbox. And I've been incredibly lucky enough to play in it. But Secret Society was something really born from me and Kyle and our editor, Matthew Cody, um, brainstorming and putting that together. So um, I don't know that it's going to see physical print form. I mean, other than me printing it out and having it in my house as a vanity project. But um, it is something incredibly close to my heart. So if anybody, um, educators get a free Epic account and then there's an unlimited account families can buy um, for their kids. And I believe they're coming out with one for 
teachers to be able to purchase like a classroom set. I don't know the details on that one. Um, trying to think of what else. I'm going to be at uh, an event called Lit a Palooza, which is going to be in Naperville this summer. It's going to be, I believe, June 20th and 21st. It's sponsored by Anderson's Bookshop, and they are bringing in 50 plus kid lit authors. Uh, Jerry Craft is going to be the keynote speaker. And we are going to nerd it up in the um, in the Chicago suburbs in Naperville. And that's going to be a blast. There's going to be two days worth of panels. And it's going to be a really good time. And then shortly after that, I'm going to be doing a signing at ALA. Uh, the Monday of ALA, the date escapes me, but I think it's late morning. It might be the 26th of June. Um, so I'm doing that. And then I'm putting in a proposal for a panel at San Diego Comic-Con this summer. I'm going either way. Um, but as I was telling you just before we started recording, I really want my name on one of those tent cards. So oh, I would love to be able one. to present because I've been to San Diego a few times and I've always gone over to the library for their educator and librarian panels. And I've loved them. So the idea that there's even a chance I could be on the other side of that table is pretty exciting. Yeah. And I would love to present with you in some space at some point, at some yeah, time, yes. I'll have to make that work. Let's do um, it. Yeah, that would be great. Um, and shout out to Epic Books, because uh, listeners out there can absolutely get their hands on your work, uh, immediately get it into the hands of young people. It's a it's a pretty easy process I found as an educator mm -hmm. teaching in the pandemic. My goodness, I can't say enough about I was how amazing. Before COVID which yeah. was beautiful. And then I was using it, which was before I was writing for them. Like, so I was already using Epic as an educator before I even had this opportunity. So it's been fantastic. Everyone I've worked with, like I said, Matthew Cody, Mika Hashimoto, who was my editor on Animal Rescue Friends at first, and now Harriet Lowe have been wonderful. Andrews McNeil publishes the physical books and uh, Diane Mangan has been the publicist for that. And she sends me these adorable bookmarks every time I have an in-person event. Like this could not have been a more loving, supporting, mentoring group of people. Um, Fantastic. To surround me in what is my very first rodeo. Well, you're, I'm going to extend that metaphor in some way badly and just say you're, you're you're rodeoing in a really uh rodeo like no that's uh, you're doing well you're doing well is where I'm I, was, going. I was gonna go like in the clown direction but <laughs> yeah no get to put on the show yeah yeah I, I but I, I like what you're doing and uh yeah I was teaching clinical reading in the pandemic and so working with graduate students and undergraduate students to try to get young children all in a zoom space to read books and I have no idea what we would have done if not for epic books. So um, yeah, just, just fantastic work. I appreciate all that you do in sharing about comics in the medium. Uh, I know that your students are very lucky to have you, very lucky to be working with you. Uh, and thank you so much for stopping by and such a wonderful conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I've been following your work with the visual literacy component and, you know, adapting what I can to the elementary level students I work with and it's been phenomenal. The more of us can find each other in this uh, crazy education ocean, the better chance we have of reaching land. Absolutely. It's a community. It's yes. a community. Well, thank you so much. And we'll have to have you back again sometime. Thank you so much. I look forward to it. Have a great night. You too.